Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Hey, it's so good to be with you, my friend. Hope you're well. So I'm reading this book. I know you, you probably already know what I'm going to say because I've been talking about it quite a bit. It's impacting my life. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, and it's so good. And he talks about since 1995, infinity has been in our front right pocket. Before that, we would stand in line with absolutely nothing to do. Do you remember that? Like pre-cell phones? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The extroverts would strike up a conversation with you and the introverts would just wish they would stop talking. <laughs> but we didn't have cell phones to just, you know, pull out and do whatever we wanted and go wherever we wanted. We just we were just stuck there with nothing to do in the boredom. Love those good old days. <laughs> and in our access to infinity, we've lost silence. Silence not just for our ears, but for our minds and for our souls. Like this this stillness just is not available to us. So our attention span, this is pretty scary. Okay, in 2000, mm-hmm. studies showed that our attention span was 12 seconds. Which I have to say is not that good. It's not good. But right now, it has. we've lost four seconds in our normal attention span. Our attention spans are now eight seconds, hmm. which is horrible. But this is even worse. Do you know what the attention span of a goldfish is? I don't. You'll have to. I read the book, but I forget now. Okay. It's nine seconds. So we literally have a shorter attention span than your common goldfish. Go, goldfish, go. Go, (laughs) goldfish, go. That's scary. But the pace of life is just one constant distraction from being present, being present with others and being present with ourselves and especially being present with God. Uh, John Mark Comer says, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we need, we most need, Mm. which my summary of that would just simply be, we're pretty much being discipled away from God when he's what we need the absolute most. So the question is, is there a practice from the way of Jesus that could set us up to thrive in the middle of this chaos that is modern society? And the answer is, yeah. There is. And we can look to the life of Jesus to find out what it is. So in the Gospels, we see how Jesus did it. And if we're willing to adopt his way as our own way, we can reconnect with God the way that he was connected with God, the one who breathed life into us and into everything else. In Mark 6, 31, Jesus and his disciples had been traveling. They'd been healing. They'd been teaching. In other words, they were busy, busy doing life. And then And it says this, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he, Jesus, said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And then they went away by themselves to this solitary place to be with Jesus. And the story continues. They end up being followed to the solitary place that wasn't so solitary after all. And Jesus ends up, you know, feeding 5,000 people with just a boy's lunch. And then Jesus made his disciples get into a boat while he dismissed the crowd. And then later that night, Jesus was alone with God. He was absolutely committed to getting his time alone with God. And in Luke, it says that Jesus went to a lonely lonely place like nine different times. Mm. So it's not just this one incident where we get a picture of what was going on. This was just the normal practice of Jesus' life. Yeah, it says he often withdrew to lonely places. So we don't know how many times he actually did. We just know that he did it often. 
Yeah. And the busier and the more famous that Jesus became, the more he withdrew to the quiet place to be alone with God and to pray. I think, you know, in our day and age, we tend to be the opposite of that. Like when life gets really, really busy, we're like, oh, I've just been so busy. I haven't had a chance to sit down with God, or I just haven't had a moment, you know, of quiet. It's going, I'm going a hundred miles an hour, but Jesus needed time in the quiet place. If Jesus needed time in the quiet place, you think you don't? I do. There are many things that help me grow in Jesus, and I'm sure what I'm going to mention, uh, these are some of the things that you do as well. Spending focused time with God, reading His Word, memorizing His Word, studying His Word. Then there's the iron sharpening iron of being on the journey with someone else, like with my bride or with a trusted friend. There's reading great books. I love a great book that just has great content. I just sit with that book really for months. And books that help me go deeper in the gospel. There's fasting. There's prayer, which is just talking with God, being in conversation with God. There's worshiping the Lord with other believers. Serving helps me grow. Using my gifts for the benefit of others. So many practices, habits, help us grow. And we can just keep on adding habits to our tool belt. And these are these these don't have to be rituals or things that drag us down, but they really can be life-giving. They're simple repeatable patterns. Yep. They are. They <laughs> I are. I love that. I love I just love the the steady, right? Like you know, you don't have to leap from you know, one mountain to the next, you can just take one simple step mm-hmm. in that direction towards that next mountain and then take the next step and then take the next step and you'll get there. Yeah. It's the 10,000 hour rule, which is that it takes 10,000 hours of practicing something to become a master at it. But there are two things that have caused the greatest growth in my life. And they don't fit in the category of spiritual disciplines. These are not something I do or practice. These things happen to me, and usually they're unwanted. I don't want them in my life. Desperation and suffering. Oh, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, that is painfully true. Yep. You know, feeling overwhelmed by life, going through depression, going through an illness, losing a family member. You know, I lost my mom last December and man, just the pain of that. And I wouldn't have chosen any of these things to go through, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them up either looking back because they have caused me the greatest growth because here's what happens. Desperation and suffering, it brings me to the end of myself the end of my resources, the end of my strength, the end of my abilities, the end of my plans, and just causes me to fall on my face before God and say, help. I think, too, the thing for me when it comes to desperation, I'm thinking about, you know, a time in my life when I, I felt like I most needed God and longed for him. I, I realized how... I have put my faith in other things and how fragile they are. 
and that, you know, really all the other stuff, there's all this additional added stuff that when it really comes down to it and stripped down desperation has made me realize actually all I need is you. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and to come to that point is all we need is need. Cause when all we have is need, we know that all we have is you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, that he is the fulfillment of that need, mm-hmm. that it's not found in other things. It's found in him and him alone. And the, that honestly is the sweetest time that I can remember with Jesus. I remember in the, in a time when I felt most desperate meeting with him. And it, honestly, I can liken it to like when I was a teenage girl and I had a crush. I just could not wait to just meet with Jesus, to go to my secret spot where I'd sit and meet with him. And I just felt literally giddy inside to just be in his presence and be with him. Maybe you've heard of the 2190 rule. It takes 21 days to form a habit and 90 days to make it a lifestyle change. 2190 rule. Then there's the 10,000 hour rule. It takes 10,000 hours of intensive practice to become a master at something. So think about it. To form a life-giving habit, you do it for 90 days and it becomes natural. And then in 10,000 hours of repeating that habit, you become a master of it through simple, repeatable daily patterns. It's awesome. Now, if this is how any human being forms a habit and then masters it, How much more can we as followers of Jesus, who have the power of the Holy Spirit, learn habits to help us grow and change and become more like Jesus? Listen to this story and see if you can pick out some of the spiritual habits that are in this story. In October of 1732, a Dutch ship left Copenhagen Harbor in Denmark for the Danish West Indies in the Caribbean. On board were two men, the first two Jesus messengers to be sent from their tiny village of 300 in Germany. These two young guys, Johann Dober and David Nietzschmann, had a passion to bring the good news where it had never been. And their little community had their backs. They prayed literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week for Johann and David. By the way, this tiny village in Germany would end up sending over 1,000 missionaries to every part of the world in 68 years. Just 300 people in this village, and that's what they did because they had incredible spiritual habits. When Johann and David got to the West Indies, they tried to sell themselves into slavery to reach the slaves. When they weren't allowed to do that, they were forbidden to do that, they took back-breaking jobs on plantations so that they could work alongside the slaves and reach them. Johann and David took the risk of faith. They colored outside the lines. They went where no Jesus messenger had ever gone before. They did something no one had ever done for the glory of God and for the sake of the world. And in this story, I see a lot of habits that helped Johann and David and their friends who sent them grow in Jesus and succeed in their life work. Without these habits, this would have never happened. 
the habit that comes to mind first is, of course, the the people in the village that sent them that had a habit of praying 24 mm-hmm. seven, literally without ceasing. They continued to pray for them. And I would imagine that they already had that practice before they sent any messengers of the gospel. <clears throat> so here are some other habits that I see. They surrendered. <clears throat> they took risks. Again, these are things that they, they learned how to do and became proficient at before anything happened. Surrendered, took risks. They learned how to live on mission with Jesus. As you mentioned, Shauna, they prayed for each other. They made sacrifices. They dreamed big dreams for God. When is the last time that you dreamed a big dream for the kingdom or a medium-sized dream or a little dream for the kingdom? They didn't give up. They had perseverance. They reminded themselves how much Jesus loved them and how much Jesus loved their world, and that propelled them into the world. Little village of 300 people. They became Jesus to their world through simple, repeatable patterns, Shauna. <laughs> You're speaking the language. I like it so much. I really believe that that is where, um, ah, I don't know, the strength comes from, right? And I think all of us want to, especially when you know you give your life to Jesus, you want to know that at some point in time, God's going to use you in a powerful way. And I grew up, praise God, in a Christian family where my kids didn't, or my parents did an amazing job of passing on to me an understanding that God would use me to do great and powerful things. I grew up with that expectation. And I mean, what a, I realize what a privilege that is and what a beautiful thing that is. But my little brain translated that to mean that there would become, you know, there would come a moment in my life where like the heavens parted and the light shone down on me and the angels sang, you know, and, and God would use me in some way. And I just, I don't anticipate that anymore. I think that, you know, I want to look every single day for the ways in which I can be involved in what God's doing and in some way be a part of bringing that forward. Mm -hmm. It's not in the big grand moments so much as it is in the simple repeatable patterns, the daily showing up and saying, I surrender, you know, because when we surrender in the little things, that's what strengthens our surrender muscle. So when the big thing comes our way, it's not such a huge leap. We're not, you know, incapable of it. There's even muscle memory that goes, this one's harder than what I've done before, but I know how to do this because I've done Mm -hmm. it before. Oh, that's so good. When I was working at Family Life Radio in Midland and I I resigned in 2007 to join a, a mission community called Frontiers, and I just knew that there was something more. Now, when it came to Family Life Radio... I just, I told my manager and my friend there, Peter Brooks, I said, I'm going to be here three to five years and then I'm going into missions. And I ended up there, I was there for 18 years mm-hmm. and 18 years of, of developing the spiritual muscle that I was going to need to go to Frontiers. Mm-hmm. And what I found out when I went to Frontiers, which is a ministry reaching Muslims around the world, I found out that I needed every one of those habits, mm. but I also found out that it was still more than I could handle. It was beyond me. Mm. you know. So even though you, you learn these things, God never calls us into something that, okay, I've got this. It, he always calls us into dependence, mm-hmm. but we still, it's, we still need all these things that he's teaching us, but we still need dependence, you know, and that's, that's, that's what I learned. That is our greatest strength. Yeah. 
dependence. Yeah. Because when we are weak, then we are strong. So maybe God is asking you to take a leap, take a step, to, you know, move forward into something of the gospel and to do something in a way that's never been done before. And when you do that, you create a path for others to follow. And here's how you might know if he's asking you to do that. You've developed these habits of surrender, of taking risks, of praying, of making sacrifices, of dreaming kingdom dreams, of dying to self. If this describes you, it's time to do something that no one else has ever done for his kingdom. And there's just one thing left for you to do. Leap. Hey, we're in it with you, encouraging you to take your next step in your walk with Jesus as we do the very same thing. We're in it with you. And maybe the next step in your walk with Jesus is to have a regular practice of spending time with God. We know that we'll... It's a life-giving time. God will breathe life into us in those moments. And Jesus made it a priority in his life. No matter how busy he got, he held such a value on his time with God that he always made it a regular practice to be alone with the Father. And two things that will help us to get the most out of our time with God are silence and solitude. And silence is not just the quieting of noise, you know, not the absence of any kind of a noise, which is really hard to do. Today in this world, it seems like there's noise everywhere you go. In the car, we might have the radio playing, you know, at home, we'll have the TV going in the background. There's just some kind of constant noise going on. So it is a chore to find a place where you can experience actual silence, the absence of audible noise, right? But even harder than that, I think, is once you get that done, there's this clatter, this noise going on inside my own head that is hard for me to stop. So many times I, you know, I want to sit in the silence and I want to listen to God and I want to hear from him. And these voices coming from internally just cause this, I don't know, this ongoing rumbling that is hard to quiet. It's hard to silence it. Yeah, it's almost like we have to slow down our overall pace of life so that when we do spend time with God, you know, all of that is not, you know, just rolling over into our time with God. Right. So it's like I need to slow down my pace in life so that, you know, my time with God isn't just another expression of how fast I'm going. Right. And I, just this morning, I was reminded of this because I have an audio devotional that I do on my drive in. And I started the audio devotional and it kind of begins with, you know, just recentering your focus on the presence of God, you know, just being very intentional and mindful about the fact that he's right here with me right now and kind of helps me to clear my mind of other anything else that might be going on and just focus on God. And so I start doing this audio devotional and I don't know how far I was into it, but all of a sudden I realized even with my intention of being, you know, really attentive to what was going on, my mind started to wonder and other things were coming. I was thinking about a conversation that happened yesterday and replaying that in my mind. And I was like, Oh God, I'm sorry. And so I started it over again. and was like, let you know, help me to, to stay focused this time as I listen through. Yeah, and that's a great practice right there, not to beat yourself up, but to say, you know, Lord, sorry, help me refocus. Boom, you're back into where you need to be. Yeah, That's yeah. good. Just reset, right? Yeah, yeah. Reset the whole thing. 
And another, the other thing is not just silence, you know, the outside noise and the internal noise, but the other thing is solitude, just getting alone with God, being alone with your own soul and creating that space of solitude. (laughs) I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Create an environment where you can pay attention to God and you can connect with him in a meaningful way. Henry Nouwen said, without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and listen to him. That's it right there. Nouwen at one point was looking for some advice and so he confided in Mother Teresa and she said, well... When you spend one hour a day adoring your Lord and never do anything that you know is wrong, you'll be fine. Which one gives way to the other. I know. When we spend time with the Lord and we actually soak in his word and his spirit, it helps us to walk in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we don't walk in the spirit, you know, we can't, we can't live this life. This Jesus life is not possible in our own strength. So, yeah, I love that. It's really not. I was at a wedding over the weekend and the rehearsal dinner on Friday night. Somehow the conversation, not with the bride and the groom, with some other family members, the conversation came, um, you know, about marriage and how marriage is hard. And I just said, I wouldn't be able to do it without Jesus. And then they laughed and, you know, said, gave my husband a hard time about that. But I was like, I don't know how anybody does. You don't make it through marriage without Jesus. But when we don't have this practice of meeting alone with God in silence, in solitude, we end up just living off of somebody else's spirituality. I think we feel distant from ourselves because we're out of touch. We feel anxious. We feel exhausted. But when we find that quiet place, when we slow ourselves down and take a breath and come back to the present, we catch up with ourselves and we feel, and they might not all be good feelings. It, it might be hard things at first that surface in that time alone with God, but we're not alone in our time alone with God. We're with God and he meets us there and he comforts us in those things. So with God is how we were created to live. And we're reminded that we're loved in that space that he's God, that we're not, and we can find rest for our souls. And I believe with all my heart, no other habit will grow you spiritually like spending time with God in silence and solitude. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.